Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today for episode number four. We're in a conversation series called Uncommon. This series is all about pursuing an uncommon faith through an uncommon Savior while living in a common world. Today, we're tackling truth. We live in a world where truth is determined by one's perspective. What does it look like to speak uncommon truth in a common world? Let's find out. Well, here we go. This is the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. So what is truth? No, seriously, I'm asking you, what is truth? What do you believe is truth? It is a question that humanity has been asking since the dawn of time. What is truth? And how do we know something is true? I've found that there are, you know, many different ideas of truth. And there could be much more and more fancier names for these, but I'm going to go with the ones I found and the way I like it. So um, I've heard of eternal truth, and that's the truth that operates outside of time and space. We would put maybe Jesus and God and our faith and Christianity kind of in this eternal truth. There is uh, something called authoritative truth. That's truth spoken by an expert in one's field. So if an economist came out and said that the next season of the economy is going to see a recession or is going to see a growth, well, we would accept that truth because that person is an expert in that field, right? So that's authoritative truth. Then there's esoteric truth. That's you know, kind of hidden truth. So like when I tell my kids to clean their room and I walk into the room and they say it's clean, but then I look under the bed and they just pushed all their junk under the bed. Well, that's esoteric truth. That's hidden truth, right? Then there's reason truth or logical truth. And that's truth that is based on logic. You know, like a square can never be a circle and a circle can never be a square, right? Then there's empirical truth, and that's truth that is based on our senses. So if I look at a pencil and I say it's yellow, well, then I believe that it's yellow because I see yellow. Now, sometimes our senses can play tricks on us. So if I was colorblind and I said it was yellow or you said it was yellow and I said, no, it's not, maybe because I can't see the color yellow. Then there's creative truth, and this is the kind of truth that we create in our minds, right? So we, um, let's say we tell a lie and we tell it long enough, then we start to believe that the lie is actually truth, right? You tell a lie long enough, you start to believe it. So that's creative truth. Then there's moral truth, and that's truth that's based on morality, like um, murder is wrong, right? So we would all agree that murder is wrong, and so therefore it is a truth that we believe. Then the last truth I found is relative truth. And this kind of truth is based on perspective and opinion. So if we both were to walk outside, you and I were to walk outside and we saw snow, though I live in California, so there is none where I live. But if we walked outside and saw snow and I said, wow, that snow is white. Well, you would say, well, I'm not sure that snow is white. That show that snow is a shade of white, and then you would proceed to tell me that there are 32 different shades of white, and so it could be any of those shades, but it's not just white. Basically, that truth is only pertinent to me. It may be true for me, but it may not be true for you. That's relative truth. 
Now, what's even more fascinating is that in this study of truth that there have been philosophers and theorists and scientists and psychologists who have for hundreds of years and even today continue to wrestle with trying to define what is truth. And this mass confusion plays out in our world today. I mean, just easily you can get online and check your social media or watch a little TV or how about have a conversation with a coworker or a family member. And I promise you, you'll encounter a different type of truth. Now, the most popular kind of truth in our culture is relative truth. Remember, this is the this is the kind of truth that may be true for you, but not necessarily true for someone else, right? It's the kind of truth that says that just because you believe that may be true, I don't have to believe that is true. So for an example, maybe um, something um, somebody comes to you and says, you know, the Houston Astros, the baseball team, they cheated. Well, they believe that's true. Well, you might respond back with, well, I don't think they cheated because the way I interpret the rules, it wasn't cheating because you interpret the rules differently than I did. So what I believe to be cheating to you wasn't cheating. Therefore, we're creating relative truth. Another example is if I come to you and I, let's say I use, um, I don't know, an offensive term, maybe a slang word or a gesture that to me or my people group isn't offensive, but to you or maybe another group, people group, it is offensive. And you tell me that. How, However, it's hard for me to understand why because I don't see it as offensive. Therefore, creating relative truth again. Now, as a side note, just because a term isn't offensive for me doesn't mean it's not offensive for you or someone else. But let's be honest. It is relative. Now, the last example I have for you is um, you going to someone and you're saying that their life isn't what it's supposed to be. There's a better way for them, and that better way is found in Jesus, and only Jesus. And let's say they respond to you, well, Jesus is true for you, and he works for you, and that's all good and fine, but not for me. That's not what I choose to believe in. What they are saying is that Jesus is a relative truth. But here's the thing. You and I know that without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus isn't relative. He is absolute. He is an eternal truth. Jesus will never stop being truth, nor will the Bible stop being the truth in which all of us will someday be held accountable to. It's the kind of truth that says that there is a God who created the world and everything in it, and creation rebelled against the creator and was therefore subject to this separation from its creator, unless a remedy was found. And throughout history of the world, the creator has been pointing to a moment in time when he would rescue and restore his creation. Now, the remedy came in the form of Jesus, who was the son of God, and God himself in the flesh. And Jesus taught the true way of God's creation, or what what is commonly referred to as God's kingdom. Now, to finalize this reconnection of the creator to his creation, Jesus became the remedy for the creation's brokenness by dying on a wooden cross, being buried for three days, and then resurrecting. All who decide to find and follow Jesus now have this reconnection with the creator and his promised eternal life, right? I mean, we know that. 
Now, because this truth is so absolute, so eternal, so against the thinking of this world, it's considered closed-minded and intolerant in counterculture, or put simply, uncommon. It's uncommon because it goes against the grain of cultural thinking. Now, listen, I'm not trying to bash culture, not at all. Like, I happen to be a fan of good culture, good music, good sports, the arts, community, social justice, liberty, and the pursuit of a good life, for sure. But the thing is, uncommon truth exposes bad culture. It exposes what wasn't supposed to be. It exposes our brokenness and the crafty ways the enemy gets us to believe it's all going to be okay. If I can put it this way, uncommon truth reveals broken truth. Let me say that again. Uncommon truth reveals broken truth. Uncommon truth, honestly, guys, peels away at the layers of spin that the enemy and by nature our own brokenness, we call sin, we put on the reality of this truth. So that's what uncommon truth does. It peels away the layer that we put on to, to cover up what is truly sin and truly the reality of this truth. Uncommon truth reveals to us our sin and calls us to a better way in Jesus. It calls us to live a life in the light, and it calls us to bring that light to the rest of the world. I look at it in this way. We are at point A, right? And Jesus is at point B. The vehicle we need in order to arrive at Jesus is truth. And not just any truth, uncommon truth. Uncommon truth is the vehicle by which we arrive at Jesus. See, I think this idea is best played out through an interaction we see in the book of John where Jesus encounters a woman at the well in a town called Sychar. Now, as a side note, and which I don't have time to get into today, is that John begins the story with a phrase that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, that's interesting because Jesus, being a Jewish person, would have surely known that Jewish people would do everything possible to avoid Samaria. Literally, they did all they could to make sure that they avoided Samaria and the Samaritan people. But not Jesus. John says he had to go through Samaria. Why? Because like us, before we found Jesus, our uncommon faith will always lead us to people who are at the end of their rope, who are desperate and without hope apart from Jesus. Have you ever noticed that when we're at our most desperate, our faith becomes the very thing that keeps us from drowning? I I love the way that Paul puts this in his second letter to the Corinthian Christians. He says, This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insult, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Why? For when I am weak then I am strong. You see, guys, that's what truth does. It reveals our brokenness and points us to the one who can put us all back together. And here was Jesus going to Samaria to put someone back together. So he goes to this well and sits, right? Because John writes that to catch his breath after a long journey. And then this woman, interesting enough, shows up and Jesus strikes up a conversation with her. Now, first, the woman is taken aback because here is this Jewish person conversing with a Samaritan, not something that happens often and mostly avoided at all costs. 
Jesus asks for a drink and the woman questions the request and then Jesus tells her that he can give her living water. Now, this might be a little weird. You know, if I if I was a woman and this guy started telling me, look, the water you're drinking right now is not good. I can give you living water. I'm running for the hills, right? So she's probably thinking that. And so she questions whether Jesus thought he was greater than the one who provided the well for them. Jesus tells her that, when people drink the water in this well, they will thirst again. But the water he provides will allow people to never thirst again. Now, did you catch what Jesus is saying in this moment to this woman? The water in the well is only as good as the next drink. It will only satisfy for a short period of time, and then you'll have to take another drink. But the water that Jesus provides is the kind of water that quenches your thirst. You'll never need another drink. Isn't that much like the truth our world offers? It's only as good as what you choose to believe, honestly. It's only as good as the next time you're told to believe something else. Think about famous people who have endorsement deals, right? They endorse a product, tell you that it's the best thing since sliced bread, and then plead with you to buy it, all until another endorsement deal pays them more money And then they tell you the previous product is not as good as the one they're endorsing now. And I'm looking at you, Verizon Now Sprint guy. It's only as good as the next truth. What may be true for you may not necessarily be true for you later. That's what the world says. But Jesus says the truth I give you is better, more solid, more absolute, more eternal, more grounded, that it'll be the only truth you'll ever need. Now, I can imagine this woman just standing there trying to comprehend what Jesus is saying and wondering if this truth is a truth she can accept. So what does this mean for the uncommon Christian? We know this truth and we we live this truth, right? I mean, we read it, we study it, we gather together and talk about it. But the question is, what do we do with this truth? There are people who don't know this truth or maybe hasn't accepted this truth yet. Maybe maybe they keep drinking from the well that only provides temporary relief from thirst and they haven't discovered the well that provides permanent satisfaction. And these people are in your everyday world. They are your friends, your families, your coworkers, your neighbors, maybe even the stranger that you somehow keep running into. You see, let me put it this way. People are showing up in your life on purpose for a purpose. Okay? Did you catch that? People are showing up in your life on purpose for a purpose. And the uncommon Christian sees that purpose and acts in that purpose to help fi- help people find and follow Jesus. Now, in our previous episodes during this series, we've talked about how the uncommon Christian displays uncommon love, We've talked about extending uncommon and extraordinary grace. And the final piece of the puzzle is speaking uncommon and absolute truth. Here's the thing. You can't have one without the others. All love and grace with no truth is empty faith. And on the other side of it, all truth with the absence of love and grace is brutal faith. Love, grace, and truth go hand in hand in hand. And it's the mission of the uncommon Christian to take these three to the world around them. 
That's what we're called to do. So you might be asking, well, how do we speak uncommon truth in a common world? Well, let me give you three quick thoughts. We speak truth not to shame people away from Jesus, but to amplify our need for Jesus. You know, I love the definition that author Brene Brown gives for guilt and shame. She says, guilt means you did something bad. Shame means you're a bad person. When we speak truth, when we speak truth to shame people, we're telling them that they're bad people and that's not our jobs. Our job is to say you're guilty of doing bad things and thinking bad things because of your sin. But Jesus provides a better way. Our conversation should amplify their need for Jesus more than it should drive them away from Jesus. Look at this woman Jesus meets at the well. She had been with five different husbands, and the one that she was currently with wasn't even her husband. And Jesus points this out, not to shame her, but to point out to her that this isn't how it was supposed to be with her, and he can provide a better way. Now, I'm sure she felt some guilt because she knew her story wasn't anywhere near where it should be, but I don't get the sense that she felt shame. I don't get the sense that she felt unredeemable. On the contrary, I believe she was more open to the better way Jesus provided because of his approach to truth. The second thing is, we speak truth not to bring despair, but to bring hope. More than anything else, what makes our truth so different and long-lasting than the truth the world provides is that it's a carrier of hope. Uncommon truth reveals the hope of the world. It's the kind of truth that says you're lost and you're not where you should be, but don't worry, there's a better way. Jesus tells this woman that if she keeps drinking from this worldly truth, she'll always remain thirsty. She'll always be searching for fulfillment and meaning in all the wrong places. But if she turns our ears to if but if she turns her ears to uncommon truth, she'll never thirst again. She'll never need to look anywhere else but right at Jesus. Guys, that's the kind of hope we ought to spread in the world around us with the people in our lives. I don't know about you, but I want everything I say, even in hopeless situations, to bring hope. Now, I'm not always perfect at it, nor will you be, but we should always speak truth in hope. And the last thing is, We speak truth not to create chains, but to create transformation. Uncommon truth breaks chains and removes barriers that keep people from Jesus. It's the kind of truth that propels a person to transformation. Guys, transformation. Becoming who God created and designed them to be. You see, once this woman received this life-altering truth, she immediately transformed from a common sinner to an uncommon Christian. And what she does do with this, and what does she do with this newfound identity? She repeats the process. She runs into town and begins to tell anyone and everyone who will listen, you must hear from this guy, this random dude at the well. He has a word that will change your life. That's Michael phrase. The truth we speak should lead to transformation of the heart, mind, and action. Now, let me be real with you here. You may not always see it immediately, and sometimes you will not see it at all. But that doesn't excuse you from speaking life-transforming truth. 
Well, let's bring this home. I know that you might be working out or driving or out for a walk or a run or, or, or just ran, listening to this at your house. And you might be thinking, I agree with all this, Michael, for sure. But speaking any truth in this world is nearly impossible, especially in this season. And I would agree, speaking of this better way, this absolute truth, will definitely be hard and uncomfortable. And that's one of the reasons I believe John highlights this story, honestly. Jesus did something no Jewish person would have done. It was uncomfortable, and it was seen against the grain of culture. Why? Because Jesus believed he had the kind of truth that could change this woman's life. He was willing to risk insult and ridicule in order to bring life-transforming truth to this woman on purpose, for a purpose. Is it going to be hard? Will you be rejected? Will people refuse to hear? Will it be frustrating? Absolutely. Will it be worth it to help people find and follow Jesus? You bet. Well, I want to thank you for listening to today. And if this was helpful, would you do me a favor, a big favor, and share this with others? Also, I would love it if you would provide a positive rate and review on the Apple Podcast, which will help this show reach more people. And that's what it's about. It's not about fame or popularity. This podcast is all about encouraging and inspiring every Christian to love Jesus and to live out their purpose in uncommon ways. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. For more information on today's topic, visit UncommonChristianPodcast.com.